Hey everyone, I need your attention for one minute. This is not one of those ads. This is something that has changed my entire life. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that this is all about personal development as the foundation for everything good in your life. And this podcast is now sponsored by Growth Day, which is the world's first all-in-one personal development app. I mean, oh my gosh, can you imagine having everything all in one place that you need to create the life that you want? Now you can. So if you've been struggling with your motivation, your mood, your productivity, or your purpose, you have to check this out. Growth Day helps you consciously change your life and achieve your potential. It has all the self-improvement tools, motivational classes, and life coaching all in one place. So many of us want to improve our lives, but the question is how? Where do we start? What do we use? How do you get unstuck? How do you make self-improvement stick? Well, research shows how. It's when you consistently journal, track your habits, set goals, learn from empowering mentors, and challenge yourself that you'll be happier, healthier, and more successful. But let me ask you something. Where do you actually do all of your personal development work? I have to tell you that over 300,000 people use Growth Day for a reason. It works. It's the world's number one software for self-improvement. Growth Day has an amazing mindset journal that I absolutely love, a habit tracker, and a goal-setting system. In fact, I bet if you went to my stories this week, you probably saw me using the journaling app and telling you to do it too, because it's the first time that journaling has ever actually stuck consistently in my life because of this app. And best of all, Growth Day has live inspirational classes every single week from the world's top motivational speakers and life coaches. These are people who have impacted my life in huge ways. These are mentors who I already knew and loved. In fact, this is something that's so huge for me, you guys. I personally teach a class in Growth Day every single month, and it is one of the most fun things that I get to do, and I'd love to see you there. These classes will truly shift your life. There's always something new that you will learn. So join me in 300,000 Achievers Growing Our Lives with actual real intention. Visit growthday.com slash Lori for a free trial. Yes, you can try this for free. So go to growthday.com slash Lori and go live your best life. You guys, that's growthday.com forward slash Lori. And I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome. 
Welcome back to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. And today I'm so excited to have Jenna Phillips Ballard on the show. She's a total wellness philosopher and she began her career in 2006 as a personal trainer and life coach to celebrities. She has been featured on Dr. Phil and the Doctors. And halfway through her career, she realized that she felt a much bigger calling. So she wants everyone to truly fall in love with themselves. And she believes that self love will heal this planet. So her and her husband founded the Ascension Leadership Academy in 2015, and they are so committed to empower others to break through their limiting beliefs and create an unforgettable life. So let's get started. Jenna, I'm so excited to have you on. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. You know, our paths have crossed. And as I was going through some social media and just creeping on your site, I was like, oh my gosh, we know so many of the same people. I cannot believe we did not meet sooner. And you're like um, sister from another mother, according to everything that's on your site. So I had to, I think we're going to have to actually battle at keeping this down to a certain amount of time. So I'm, I'm super excited to have you on. So thanks for coming on today. My pleasure. And I'm always up for a challenge. So I know there's ton, tons to talk about, but yeah, well, it'll be a growth opportunity for both of us to solidify. <laughs> so you have such an amazing story and so much going on in your life right now. So many beautiful, amazing, good things in your business and in your world. But could you share with us a little about yourself, your past and how you got here? Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah. It, you know, I, there's so many layers to, to who I am and, and ultimately what brought me to, um, this exact moment right now. But I, I think that the most profound story that really defines really ultimately what I'm up to in this world is goes back to when I was about 17 and I was experiencing chronic depression and I had low energy. I was tired all the time. I didn't feel good about myself. Um, I had really negative thoughts and I, uh, and I, and I remember at that time where I, I really felt like I wasn't important. I really felt like I, I wasn't, um, being a contribution. I started making up stories about myself that people didn't like me, that I wasn't, I wasn't popular. A lot of, a lot of stuff, like a lot of limiting beliefs around who I am and who I was. And, uh, and I, and I remember very specifically, there was a short period of time where I would lay in bed at night and wish that I could have the luxury of being able to see my own funeral. Because then I would, then I would have some kind of validation. Then I would understand who actually really cared about me and who who would miss me. So it was like really a dark time for me. Mm. And I and I and I do remember having like a little bit of a shift and and realizing that I I didn't really I didn't want to die. I mean that wasn't something that I wanted, but I wanted to have some kind of an answer from the universe. And without me understanding law of attraction, without me understanding that our thoughts are just as powerful as our words and our actions, I started to focus my energy on the possibility of what it would be like for me to be in some kind of an accident. So I really started to direct my energy in, in that direction and I would think about it and I, I was creating this in my mind and creating this in my brain and, uh, and I decided that if I were to be in some kind of an accident that would be serious enough for me to be in the ICU, then I could see who would show up to my hospital room. 
So I had a lot of energy focus in that. And sure enough, I was in a head, I was in a head trauma accident. So I, I was decorating for a huge party at my house and, um, I was in the barn. My parents had a barn on the property and I was decorating with about 10 of my friends and we were in the hayloft and we were hanging sheets on the ceiling and lights. And it was, we were going to make it like the coolest party spot ever party of the year. <laughs> and I was walking backwards. I had a, a sheet in my hands and I was hanging it above my head and I basically ran out of floor. Like I fell through mm-hmm. the opening of the floor. I don't remember falling at all, which I'm very grateful for, but I could draw a picture of the sheet that I was holding in my hands before I fell. And that was the last thing I remember. And, um, at this time I was being very toxic. Like I wasn't, I wasn't taking care of my body and I didn't really understand the importance of the food that we put in our body and the way that we move our bodies. So, so the, the food that we put in and the way that we exercise, it gets energy and energy out. And so I remember my energy feeling very stale and stagnant and not, not abundant and, and exciting and joyful. And so I, um, you know, I just, I wasn't taking care of myself and I, and I was smoking weed every day. I was smoking cigarettes. I, I just, I was not taking care of Jenna. And, um, and so I, I woke up from my coma, which was a total miracle because the doctor said that, um, I was more than likely going to be in my coma for a very long time. So they were preparing my parents for, for this reality. And they said, you know, we don't think she's going to wake up anytime soon. And when she does wake up, she will never be the same. She's more than likely going to have severe brain damage. And the, the miracle was that I woke up the next day wow. and, um, it changed everything for me. Wow. That is amazing. It just, I don't even know which one to talk about first. The, the fact that what you were thinking about truly, and I know probably how you live your life now is we realize how powerful those thoughts are. And sometimes we're delivered exactly what we, what we're asking mm-hmm. for. Um, but really after that point, what ended up happening? So you woke up, your life completely changed. How, you know, what was, what was your perspective after that? And what did you start doing? Well, what was really interesting is I literally woke up a different person. I woke up happy and joyful. And so the doctors, when they said she'll never be the same, I mean, they couldn't have been more right about that. <laughs> so I woke, I woke up happy. Um, I just remember feeling this, this state of, of, uh, I was obviously confused. I, I, I woke up with no short-term memory, so I had no capacity at that time to, to maintain new information that was coming in. I lost the majority of my vocabulary, so I was I was speaking this gibberish language, like I was communicating and, and speaking, but at one point, my, my strength was creative writing, self-expression, um, speech and debate. Like that, that was my forte. I was the chief editor of the yearbook for, for my high school. And, uh, so, so the communication and creativity were, were things I was very passionate about, but then I lost those, those capacities and, and it was a challenge for me. So I would, um, I would forget what I was talking about. If I was having a conversation with someone, I would completely forget what we were talking about. Um, I had a really hard time um, just just basically doing normal functions. So I, I do remember when I was uh, when I was going to cognitive therapy when I was healing my brain. Um, the the therapist would would give me tools like little tasks to work on. And so one of the things I remember this exercise very clearly. But I it's interesting. I remember slides of time for about a year after the accident. Like I don't remember chunks of time or events. I remember just little bits and pieces like snapshots. But I remember this this one experience I was having with her. She said, "Tell me how to make spaghetti." And so a very basic thing is you, you know, you boil water, you, you know, you put water in a pot, you bring it to a boil, you add salt, you add the spaghetti, it gets, so all the steps that 
people know how to do, I couldn't do it. I couldn't tell her the basic steps of really anything. And so it was a lot of really challenging exercises that I had to do to rehabilitate my brain. And so, so the interesting part about that is as frustrating as it was, um, I took it, I took the bull by the horns. I mean, I really looked at it as like, okay, cool. This is something that I'm really prepared for. And I knew that I had to really apply myself. And before the accident, I was ditching school all the time. I was a super smart kid, but didn't really apply myself. And, um, and the doctor said to my parents that I wasn't going to be able to graduate from high school on time. Like that was a very, very clear thing that they were saying. And I remember this meeting where the doctor was looking at my mom and wasn't even addressing me. He wasn't even talking to me because he's thinking, you know, she doesn't, doesn't matter what she thinks because we're, we're going to do what's best for Jenna. But he said to my mom, um, you know, she's not going to be able to graduate from high school on time and she only has one semester left. And I remember Lori in that moment so clearly because I felt this burning sensation in my core. I remember my face getting really hot and I was, I was angry that he was telling me that I couldn't do something. And I felt this, this surge of inspiration and commitment that I'd never known before. And I said to myself, I couldn't, at that time, I couldn't put my thoughts into words, but I remember saying to myself, I am going to graduate on time. And I did. I went back to school. I missed three weeks, went back to school and I had, I mean, I miss, I didn't miss a single day the rest of the year. And I graduated with the highest GPA that I ever had. So I really applied myself and really hustled. And I, that's through that experience, I really understood, um, hard work and, um, work ethic in a way that I hadn't. So it really, it really put me on the path that I'm on today about, you know, being committed and, and being on a mission is ultimately like the underlying theme of everything that I do. So the biggest breakthrough for me though, was I, I ultimately got what I asked for. I mean, I, I was mm-hmm. asking the universe for clarity or some kind of definitive answer to show me that people actually cared about me. And I had standing room only in my hospital room. I mean, they had to send people away. I had so many people that showed up and I kept forgetting why they were why they were there. I was like, "What's what's happening? Why are you here?" And uh, and so, but there was this knowing. It had like this knowingness of I felt this love and I felt support from from so many people. And then when I finally went back to to my home, my whole room was covered in banners and cards and flowers and stuffed animals. And I just felt so much love and support from people. And then when I finally went back to school, the marquee said, "Welcome back, Jenna Phillips." And I just remember feeling so much gratitude in that moment because. I, I really understood that I was cared for and I was loved. And, and that was a, a huge shift for me. Oh my gosh, that is incredible. And I love that, you know, in that moment when um, the doctor was basically telling you um, that you couldn't, that you really used that as fuel because that's a massive point as well, right? That's the point mm-hmm. that that's the, that's the why in the road. It's like, I can go this way and say, Oh, he's a doctor. That must be what it is. Or you can completely decide to use that, um, to fuel your progress. And I just love that. Choose it. You, what, what you chose was so powerful. So when you made that choice, it's literally like, I can remember moments in my life where I've made that choice off of something that someone said, like the, I don't know how to explain it other than like the, I'll show you choice or yes, I can, or, Oh, Mm -hmm. you know, and it just, it grows inside of your chest. But, but why do you think you chose that out of, you know, all of the different possibilities? Because it would have been really easy for you, obviously, to use this traumatic thing that just happened and be, everyone would completely understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Lori, it's interesting because I don't really know where it came from. Mm-hmm. It, it was something that I just, it was, I felt this burning sensation in my body and I was like, wow, okay. I, I, and I really started to understand the importance of listening to my body because 
our, our higher selves, our, our bodies communicate with us through physical sensations. So when we're, when we're having an experience and we feel that nervousness in our belly or we feel our face getting hot or our palms getting sweaty, like our, our bodies communicate with us and our higher selves communicate with us. And oftentimes we don't listen. And, and, and it's really an ego conversation. Like the ego conversation would have been, you're right, doctor. I'm not going to graduate on time. And, and we always have a choice. Like every single moment is a choice point for us. And so we're, we're given the opportunity to either rise up or, or sink below the surface. And, and I really just, I, I, I just had this burning mm. sensation. I was like, okay, that's an indicator that I, I really get to apply myself. And I, and I'd never felt so inspired before. I'd never felt real inspiration like that before. And so it was something that you know, I, I believe on so many levels that this entire experience was a, of course I, I asked for it and created and caused it, but ultimately it was something that I had to experience to really drop into my, to my higher purpose. Like I really understood compassion. I, I understood, uh, commitment, dedication, perseverance, all those things that, that sometimes it takes a, a tragedy mm-hmm. or a trauma for us to, to really embody. And so I, I found gratitude for, for all of that. And it put me on the path that I'm on today and why I take a strong stand for people to change the story that they tell about themselves or any event that they experience, because we make up stories all the time about mm-hmm. anything that we experience. And, and we ultimately have the power to choose the story. And, and it, I just knew that it was up to me to really dictate the direction of my life in that moment. And, and again, it came from somewhere, I don't know where, but it was something that I really felt in every cell of my body and ultimately why, why I do what I do today. That I actually completely love that you took it there because we talk about that all the time on here. And it's one of my favorite things to talk about is I think, you know, people, and while it is a choice, I do believe that obviously there's, there's, we're being guided, whether you believe that's God or higher power or spirit Mm -hmm. source, whatever that is. And, and we're delivered those messages. And often it's through feelings in our body. And, you know, you're like, I don't know, I, I don't know where it came from, but you know, you do, but at the same time, it's like you followed it though. It's the moment of the listening that I think is so, um, important for people to understand because I think they're getting those feelings all the time, right? We just block it out though. It was like, whoa, I had this totally inspired feeling, but then I just kept listening to that story and the story, Mm -hmm. you know, we can cover that feeling up immediately by switching back into our head instead of in our soul and in our body and listening to how we're feeling. So I love that you said that because I think even in those moments, we're always being delivered like these awesome messages that we just have to leap on those feelings or like you said the ego will come back in it's like those thoughts can take it right down so I know that you pushed forward in your life in your career and also that you just felt like you had some different callings that you were being called to so what was next for you after that well it was next for me after that I I also another gift another blessing that I received um from that whole experience was when I was in the ICU the doctors were doing routine blood work on me and they discovered that I was type one diabetic and I had no idea that I had it. Mm. And it was something that was developing in my body for about eight months prior to the accident. And, and the symptoms that I was experiencing of having no energy, feeling sluggish, feeling very depressed and negative thoughts is actually a symptom of high blood sugar. And so all those, all those symptoms that I was experiencing, I just thought that I was, I, I thought I was depressed. And so I, I dealt with it. I self-medicated. I also went to therapy. I was taking antidepressants. And so I wasn't looking at the source of the problem. I really just decided that, you know, depression was the problem, but really it was a symptom of the actual issue. 
And mm-hmm. so I was in the hospital and, and of course I had to relearn how to read and write and, and communicate and, um, and, and just do basic things that a lot of us take for granted. But I also had to learn what it meant to be diabetic. And so I looked at how I was taking care of my body before and I, I played sports my whole life, but I think there was about a, like a one to two year period before my accident where I wasn't being active. I stopped playing sports and started hanging out with the wrong kind of, you know, the wrong kind of crowd. And so I, um, I just really wasn't putting my health into as, as a priority. And so learning about diabetes and ultimately the effect that every kind of food that we put in our body has a direct result, whether it's positive or negative. And then also the kind of movement that that we do every single day is also really important. So I really took that on. I became very passionate about, about health and fitness and wellness. And, uh, and I, I really got excited about making a difference for people. And, and also being a voice for people with diabetes because I remember the, the meeting I was having with the doctor who diagnosed me and my mom was with me and, uh, and he said, yes, you know, you're, you're type 1 diabetic. And, I, and it was interesting because when the doctor said that, I didn't feel devastation. I didn't feel sadness. I, I felt very neutral about it. I just said, okay. I remember nodding my head and saying, okay, well, I, you know, I want to learn everything that I can about this because I'm, I'm committed to beating it and I, and I want to beat it. And, and I knew nothing about diabetes at the time. And so I remember my mom started crying because her, her best friend died from type one diabetes, um, from the complications. And so what I did know is that it wasn't going to define me. It wasn't going to beat me and I was wanting to, to rise above it. And so I said to the doctor, completely naive, not knowing anything about diabetes, I said, well, how do I, how do I get off the insulin shots? Cause I, the mm-hmm. thought of taking insulin for the rest of my life was not exciting. And he laughed at me and he's like, haha, there's mm-hmm. no cure for diabetes. Like it was like this weird cynical laugh. And I was like, um, okay. <laughs> so I was like, great. Well, that's really uninspiring. I'll figure it out <laughs> while, while you regurgitate your textbook information from 40 years ago. It was like this super old guy. Um, so I've been on a mission to also become synthetic insulin free. And, and so many people will say, well, that's not possible. It's not possible. It's not possible. But I believe that anything is possible. And even if it isn't something that I do accomplish in this lifetime, at least I'll have my intention be set which will have me continuously be focused on taking the best care of myself. Oh, amazing. You know what I loved about everything that you have said so far, which I think is so inspiring is that every single challenge that you had, you turned it uh, around so that it was for you. It actually accelerated Mm -hmm. where you were going. It actually accelerated the next opportunity that appeared to you. Or even, you know, if another challenge came, it, it moved you even more forward, right? Because we're forced into maybe learning more or, uh, or, and what that does is expands our message, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Like we can talk to more people, we can get out there more, we can really feel like we can inspire more people. So I know that's one of your biggest passions is inspiring people to not only only, you know, see their challenges as possible gifts, but also to become leaders. So how, mm-hmm. how did that, how, how did all of that develop? Well, I, I moved to LA when I was 19 after, um, I felt confident in being able to venture out on my own. So about two years went by before I, I felt like I could do that. So I moved to LA when I was 19, not knowing what I was going to do, but I knew that I wanted to get a little small town Carmel. So I moved to LA with my two best friends and we went to school and just kind of trying to find our path and figure out what we wanted to do. And I became really passionate about, about fitness. 
And I remember uh, driving by Sports Club LA. It's now Equinox on on uh, Sepulveda Boulevard. And I was like, I'm going to work there someday. I'm going to be a trainer there someday. And so I wound up working there as a receptionist and uh, ultimately became, um, I wound up becoming an instructor there eventually. But prior to that, I, I worked at a couple other studios. I really wanted to make fitness a part of my life. And, um, and I wound up being a receptionist at a, a Pilates studio. There's a studio called Pilates Plus. And um, the, the original studio was in, in Hollywood and, and on Melrose. And so I was one of the original um, instructors there because I was I started off as a receptionist and then became one of the instructors. And, and, and the owner kind of took me under his wing and really wanted to kind of make me his protege. And uh, I was there like a month. And then he asked me if I wanted to be Ben Siller's personal trainer because he was taking he was my first private client. So Ben Siller was my first private client, which was like so awesome. Um, he was taking private lessons from the owner of the studio. And then he had to go leave for a movie. And so the owner couldn't go. So he's like, I'll just give you my best trainer. So that catapulted my career. And I, I just kept getting all these really awesome celebrity clients and, and was really effective in, in my work with them. And, and I think what had me be so much more effective with them was my, my energy. I'm also Reiki certified. So like I'm, I'm really big on reading energy and, and, and giving incredible healing energy. So, um, so I, I really started to see that the work that I was doing with my clients was so much more than just working on their body and getting them in incredible shape that I was really supporting them in, in thinking differently about themselves and telling different stories about themselves. And my, my bigger focus then became, well, I really want to make sure that people who have of influence are being responsible with their messaging. So, so my work was so much far beyond just the physical body. Like it really started to shift every area of their life. And I was like, wow, okay, so I'm more than a personal trainer. I'm kind of more than a life coach. And I was looking at really kind of figuring out a way to describe the work that I was doing. And so I came up with the term total wellness philosopher because mm -hmm. the foundation of my work was ultimately the way that we think about ourselves and the way that like our whole perspective on life and the way that we, the way we show up in life. So, so that was really, um, really big for me. And I, I had a great career in fitness. I had a, a fitness DVD. I was on Dr. Phil and the doctors. And I mean, a lot, a lot of those things that come with a fitness career. And so I really experienced that in a powerful way, but, um, ultimately got really clear about my even bigger calling. So yeah, a lot of developments with that. Wow. That is amazing. And how did you, like, did you laugh the entire time through, of course, I have to ask this question. Everybody does. I'm sure through all of your trainings with Ben Stiller, he, <laughs> he is everybody, everybody asked me that question. Like, how did you keep it together? He is not the way that he is in his movies at all in real life. At least my, my experience of him, he's, he's very, um, has a very dry sense of humor. And so I found myself making all the jokes. I'm like, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm the one making the jokes. It's kind of awkward, but no, we became really good friends. We, we had a, a great, a great relationship. Um, he, he's a wonderful human being and, uh, and we, we really got a lot of work. I got him in the best shape of his life and it was cool. He really is, is great about acknowledging and he acknowledged me in front of the whole film crew. He's like, you got me in the best shape of my life. And it was just really cool. I felt, I felt really celebrated by him. And so I really enjoyed working with him, but it was actually on that job that I got clear that I wanted to have a bigger impact. And cause mm. I, I would train him for an hour anywhere from three to five times a week. I mean, that was it. And then I had all this other uh, downtime and mm -hmm. I felt kind of useless. I'm like, I need to, I have to like, I want to exploring. Like I, wa I walked all over wherever we were and, and I really got to explore the city and I really became passionate about creating diet plans and meal plans for people. Um, cause people kept hitting me up on quote unquote, my space back in the day. Yes. And they're like, they're like, they're like, you're Ben Siller's trainer. How do I lose 10 pounds? And how do I, and so I, I started creating these plans for people. And I was like, what if I have a website, then I can 
create lots of information for people. So that that was pretty much what kickstarted my my whole inspiration about creating my first website, which has been reinvented many times, you know, the, the website that you've seen today is different from the first one I launched. But, um, but yeah, like, it's just, it's reflective of, of how I'm always reinventing myself and always looking to, to be the biggest, you know, the biggest service that I can be for the world. You know, I love what you just said. That That's such great advice. I don't even know if you realized you said it, but it's what questions are you asking yourself and you're creating content and creating your business around what are you getting asked the most? I think mm-hmm. some people are like, what should I do? Everything's been done. All of this stuff is going on. But what questions are people asking you the most? Because that's what they want to know from you. So it's like creating around that. And that's kind of how we're always reinventing or staying ahead of the curve or staying in what we love, right? It's kind of how you stay inspired is making sure you're kind of in what you love. And most often I find other people know what you are sometimes quicker than you can realize. You don't even realize like, Oh, I do talk about this all the time or I specialize in this area or whatnot, or this is what you're coming to me for. So that's awesome. That's a great question to ask. Um, I love, love, love this quote from you. Um, fall in love with yourself because, um, self love will heal the planet. I so, so believe that. Um, more than I can possibly tell you. So I, you know, that's the foundation of basically, I'm sure all of the work that you do. So what exactly, you know, what's your, what is your message? Well, my message now is, is ultimately, um, really taking a strong stand for people to take whatever painful experience they've had in their life and turning into their platform. Because I believe that everything that we experience is meant to teach us a lesson, teach us something valuable, not like teach us a lesson like we we should know better in in like a shameful way because we hear that a lot, like the context around like, oh, you learned your lesson or I learned my lesson. It's it's really – there's no shame around it. I mean we we experience really painful things in our life and it's up to us to create the story around it and then, of course, give it meaning. I mean we we make up meaning for everything that we experience in our life and I think that my – my biggest transformation as far as like the the work that I'm doing today was when I experienced sexual abuse a little bit just over four years ago. And, and it was from that experience that I understood, um, I understood compassion in, in a way that I didn't even know was possible because from that experience, I realized that for, it was when I finally forgave the man who, who did what he did to me, um, I, I really understood that, you know, forgiveness is not about letting the other person win. It's about setting ourselves free. And then I thought even deeper, like the even deeper level beyond that, beyond the forgiveness was I get to be compassionate for him and have compassion for him because for anyone to even have the thought to do what he did to me, to anybody, it, it's clear that he's experienced some kind of suffering on some level. Something horrible must have happened to him. And, and we, we shame our, you know, we shame the abusers. We shame the convicts, the, the felons, the, the people who are out there causing harm to others. And we, we lock them up, we put them away, throw away the key, and there's no rehabilitation in there. And so, you know, it really comes down to looking at like on, on like the foundation level when we're kids. I mean, being a parent is is the most important job ever. And and oftentimes when we're children, that we experience things or things happen to us that we start to build our, our story around who we are, our worthiness, you know, what we're capable of, not capable of. And and it's it's in this lack of nurturing and the lack of rehabilitation that kind of perpetuates the cycle. So 
So rather than being angry and, and putting out all this negative energy and, and hating men and, and, and wanting to, you know, create a victimization around myself, I, I set myself free by changing the story around the whole experience, finding compassion for him, really, truly forgiving him and ultimately using my voice, like using that painful experience as my platform. And so I speak very publicly about it. And, uh, and, you know, I, I look at a lot of, a lot of the symptoms of experiences that we have as children. So most people who are overweight, who are over, who are obese have experienced sexual abuse of some kind in, in their life. And, and so there's a lot of fat shaming. Like we, we judge people for being overweight. We, we, we make them wrong for being overweight, but we don't really consider like what could have possibly happened, which triggered the, you know, the, the sequence of events that, that created this symptom. I mean, over being overweight is a symptom of a, of a much bigger problem. And after my and the reason why I, was, I became very compassionate about that is because after the sexual abuse, I remember at the time I was in the best shape of my life. I had just gotten done doing a 90-day paleo-only, different kind of fitness every day challenge. And I did like a whole video you know, diary about it. I post a new video about it on, on my YouTube channel every day. And I was in incredible shape. My body looked amazing. And so you know, I kind of paired the two experiences of the sexual abuse with my body looking the way that it did. And I, and I shamed my body. I made myself wrong. I wanted to be unattractive. So I began binging and I gained like 30 pounds after, after the experience of being sexually abused. And, uh, and so it, it was a lot of shame, a lot of fear. I remember, and I was living in Los Angeles at this time. And I remember on the hottest days in LA, I would wear full long sleeve sweatshirts, hoodies. Like I didn't want any of my skin to be seen. And so I went into this total, um, inward experience and, and really just was loathing my body and loathing, loathing my desire to have an attractive body. And so it took a lot of work. I, I was in, um, going through a series of transformational workshops at the same time and really got to work through all of my stuff, all my stories around it. Um, and, and it really had me become even more passionate about what I'm up to today, which is supporting people in, in breaking through their fears, their limiting beliefs, getting on the other side of it and, and utilizing their stuff as, as their platform. Oh, that is beautiful. And thank you so much for sharing that as well. Mm-hmm. So you, you have so many different things that, you know, could maybe cause anxiety, could cause overwhelm, good and bad, right? Cause even some of the good stuff can really make us feel anxious or overwhelmed, or maybe we're not doing enough or we're not going fast enough or whatever that looks like. What is the key for you to deal with that and also to be present? Yeah. You know, I think that something I will, it's a great question. Thank you for that. Um, I think that something I will always be working on in my life, like we're always, I, I don't believe in having breakthroughs and then we're done. I believe that we're always living our breakthroughs and, and working through them and navigating through them and, and learning, learning from them. And, and so I think that my, my breakthrough is always going to be knowing that I am doing quite a lot. I really am being effective in my messaging and I really am making a difference for a lot of people. But my ego conversation is you could be doing so much more. You could, you could reach so many more people you could, and, and self-comparison. Like I, I, I experienced comparing myself to other content providers and thought leaders. And so it's something that I'm, I'm aware of and, and having done all the work that I've done, I'm able to catch myself in it rather than being the downward spiral of it. Because one, one negative thought begets another negative thought begets another negative thought. And so when I catch myself beginning to go in that downward spiral, I go, okay, so my physical sensations right now are, 
or I don't feel good. I don't feel joy. I don't feel uplifted. I don't feel vibrant right now. Mm. So what I'll tend to do is I'll either I'll call somebody and just talk it out loud because when I talk it out loud, then I just wind up laughing at myself. I'm like, I am doing amazing things. <laughs> and I really <laughs> then I then I just start talking to myself in a positive way. And then I and then I begin the practice of self-acknowledgement because that's something that we as humans don't do on a regular basis. And something mm. that I have a lot of my clients do when they're in the self beat up or they're in the, the downward spiral is I have them write themselves a love letter mm-hmm. because that, that self acknowledgement is something that is so awkward. It's so uncomfortable. And that's why I, I have my clients do it is because when we're, when we're in the dance of, of things in the dance with things that are uncomfortable, then there's just room for growth. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. And so, so really truly allow giving ourselves permission to say, I am amazing. I love myself. I am so incredible. The work that I do is effective. I'm making a difference in the lives of people every single day and, and allowing ourselves to be in that, in that thought process, because we're going to expend energy on, on thinking one way or another. So we may as well choose one that feels good. Mm. That's amazing. All the things you just said about, you know, writing it out, talking it out. It's really about releasing. It's, yes. it's totally because for me, right. When you said that, I'm like, I have to let things out. I have, I mean, and it feels crazy when I first do it. Like, it sounds like if you listened to, you know, working through something, you sound like a crazy person. Cause you don't even know where to start. Cause you can't actually say how you're feeling. There aren't necessarily words for it right away, but if you allow yourself the space for maybe the crazy, or this is uncomfortable, or this just seems absolutely nuts. It's, it's beautiful what comes through once you work through the crazy. It's like, yes, you know, and absolutely. I have that group of friends that, uh, you know, my, my mastermind groups where we just, the first 10 minutes of some things we say, it's like, I don't even know what we're saying. Sometimes it feels like it's, <laughs> in, it feels like it's in tongues or something like, totally. like this is a different language. And all of a sudden I'm like, do you know what I'm actually feeling? Do you know, it's really, <laughs> That's so, amazing. I totally, I totally know that world. Yes. Uh, so, so is there something you've created for yourself? Like, I know you said you call a friend, but do you, what would you say for somebody that maybe doesn't feel like they have that space right now outside of the letter? Because I do think getting it out to friends is so important. We all have our ways of, of releasing energy. And so for some people, for me, it's yoga is my everything. It's mm-hmm. such a great release for me. Um, some people love to run. Some people love to swim in the ocean. I think that the, the, the most important way to acknowledge the the most um, effective way to let go of the stuff that's troubling anyone is first just to, to really be clear about what brings us the most joy. Mm. And then do that. Do that more than anything else. And when I'm in my stuff, sometimes I, I will turn my energy, like I'm so focused inward that I'll focus out. And when I'm focusing my energy outwards and I'll go, you know, do something like I'll go pay somebody a compliment, a random stranger, I'll make, I'll make an effort to focus my energy outwards. And I'll sometimes buy a a random person Starbucks. Like I'll be in line at Starbucks and I'll offer the person behind me that I want to get their coffee. And it's so funny because (laughs) almost every single time I do this, people go, Oh no, like they're so, they will not, like they can't, they cannot handle receiving. And, (laughs) and it's always an opportunity. I love it so much because the breakthrough for them is the moment that I drop in and I go, no, but I I actually really want to, like, it'll be a gift to me if you let me give to you. Like it's, it's giving me the opportunity to give to you. And I really would love to. And, and I said, I'm, I'm always practicing on receiving myself. So I really want to take a strong stand for you to receive in this moment rather than just being like, okay, fine. You don't want it, whatever. I I take that as an opportunity to do some work with them. I'm always looking for ways to make an impact to people. And, uh, I love buying people coffee because of the the amount of discomfort that happens in that (laughs) moment is like, it's so great. It's amazing. I literally just let my 
myself go there and I squirmed a bit. I'm not going to lie. Cause I'm like, Oh, I could, to- I should totally do that. And I was like, okay, you're going to have to work. I'm going to have to work through this one and like get myself ready for that. So I'm going to take the Jenna Starbucks challenge. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So I kind of feel like I just want to talk uh, to you about everything, but I want to touch on this quick before we wrap up because I have so many amazing single friends. And I know on your website, I saw so much about relationships and I was like, oh girl, that is like a whole podcast I want to do with you just on relationships. Um, But I love that you said how to manifest your dream partner. Can you just give us a couple things that we could start focusing on or a couple things we should start taking our focus off of if we want to really manifest our dream partner? Yes, gladly, with absolute joy and delight. It would be my pleasure to support, <laughs> especially especially our, our fellow powerhouse women um, who are out there. I know that you and I have lots of those incredible women in our life, um, and it's because it's who you are, it's who I am, and so we attract those kinds of women. And, and I, I, I learned a lot about, um, about what it means to really truly be in a loving, committed relationship. I'm now married to my best friend. He's an incredible man. And, uh, and I went through a lot of heartache. I went through a lot of challenges and relationships, rela- failed relationship after failed relationship, because I was always looking for my man. Mm-hmm. I was the one who was doing the looking. I would see a guy that I liked. I would go after him. And so I was being the man. I was being the masculine energy in every single relationship. And so I found myself being on this mission to find my, my soulmate. And, and it just emasculated the man. It took, it took the, the person suing away from him. So there was no, there was no, um, hunt and there was no chase that was involved. And so I know that we as women kind of like, well, I don't want to play games and I want to be straightforward and I know what I want. So I'm going to go after it. I'm going to get it. But ultimately ladies, this is a huge message for all of my fellow powerhouse women. Stop looking for your man. Number one, number two, focus on being your best self. That's it. Because when you are focusing on loving yourself, on being in a loving, committed relationship with you then you glow, you radiate, you make healthy choices, you move your body every day, you surround yourself with incredible people. And, and it's when we are being our best selves that we radiate and we attract and, and we're like the flame, not the moth. Mm. That is super powerful. And one thing you just said, you associate with incredible people because, you know, it's so funny because I I feel like I'm hunting for people. I'm like, oh, you know what? Oh, I just met this guy. This would be great for this person. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's true because when you, you know, you, when you hang out in groups of people who are all about, you know, whatever that is, love and health and wellness and giving back, it's, it's like, you kind of all attract each other. So absolutely. <laughs> so if that's your focus, you probably are going to expand um, the percentage of meeting some really incredible people. So that is so beautiful. I could really elaborate on that, but I'm not going to keep you too much longer. And I want to make sure that everybody can find you. So what do you have going on right now? Where can we find you, follow you, all the good stuff? Yeah, you you all can find me. I'm pretty easy to find on social media. My name is Jenna Phillips Ballard. So that's my name on Instagram, on Facebook, and my website is also jennaphillipsballard.com. And you also can find out more about my company that I have with my husband down here in San Diego. We just moved down here a couple months ago, and we offer incredible trainings that support people in having breakthroughs in relationships, business, abundance, confidence, name it, we, we have a workshop for it. And so it's, it's really powerful work. And we do that down here in San Diego. Our company is called Ascension Leadership Academy. And if you want to find out more information about that, 
you can go to our website, ascensionleadershipacademy.com. I know it's a big mouthful. So the shortcut for that one is alasandiego.com. So tons of ways to reach out to me. And I would love to hear from all of you. And don't hesitate to, to contact me and ask me questions. Girl, I'm not kidding. I really actually want to come to one of your workshops. I was just in San Diego all weekend too, but I'm going to keep an eye on that because I'm super cool. interested and you're not far. So no, really close. Yes, that is amazing. Okay, you guys, if you loved this episode as much as I did, make sure that you share it with a friend and until next time, earn your happy. Bye everyone. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Want to know a huge secret to my success? Okay, not only my success, but just about every single person that I have interviewed on this podcast who is successful has this in common. You guys, they love to journal. They capture their life lessons and what they're grateful for. But a lot of people don't keep this up consistently. And most people do know that the research shows that journaling deepens your gratitude and increases self-awareness. But did you also know that journaling decreases stress and helps you achieve your goals faster? In fact, journaling is a huge differentiator between average performers at work and high-performing people. It leads to longer-term clarity, confidence, and success. So why don't more people journal? Why didn't I journal consistently? Honestly, they don't like staring at a blank page. It's hard to carry a book around with you or a notepad, and they just don't even know what to write about, or they just forget. That's why I know that you're going to love Growth Day. It's the world's number one system for self-improvement, and it's like all-in-one personal development in an app. And it has an awesome digital journal, and people love it. Growth Day's digital journal has hundreds of research-backed writing prompts for self-reflection, positive mindset, confidence building, and success. I use them all the time, and it makes me think in ways that I typically don't, and it makes me ask myself better questions, which we all know gets better results in our life. It even has prompts that help you develop a daily, weekly, or monthly habit of reflecting on your life and identifying areas to grow. So it's a perfect time of year to start journaling, you guys. When you sign up at Growth Day, you also get systems for habit tracking, goal setting, and scoring, and improving every area of your life. Best of all, I get to teach there too, you guys. I'm so excited. I hope that I get to see you. I teach live in Growth Day every single month with a new topic just for you. So join me there. Start your free trial at growthdate.com slash Lori. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. And I want to make sure that you have my phone number and I'm not kidding. Did you know that I have a community text number for real? My phone number is 310-496-8363. 
This goes directly to my phone. All you have to do is text the word daily to 310-496-8363. And I literally text you every single day, Monday through Friday. I actually just got done 30 seconds ago texting a bunch of people back. And I talk to you all of the time. You guys, people always ask me how I got my community text number and how it works. Well, all you have to do is you can just go to community.com and get your own. Community makes it easy to get a phone number that you can use to build your audience using text. People just text you at your number and they're added to your group. Then you can text them out audios, video links, anything you want. You guys, I text out happy birthday videos. I love to send podcast links, thoughts about life, book recommendations, uh, different events that I'm doing in the local area. Texting gets me out of the noise of social media and directly into your hand. And now you can start texting your people too. Just go to community.com to get your phone number. They give you a 10 digit real phone number, not those weird short codes that look like spam, but it's more than a phone number. Your new number comes with an inbox for SMS and texting. This means you can actually manage your text list from your computer and an app on your phone. You can schedule texts to send at certain times and to certain groups. You can even set up auto replies or let your assistant or customer service team answer your text messages via community's awesome dashboard. Just go to community.com and ask for a free demo. They'll show you how it works and get you your number. It's time to start texting your audience versus just posting on social media. Everyone uses community for that. So go check them out at community.com. I can tell you it's not just great for communicating with my audience, but Chris and I use community and our texts to also sell out our launches. I'm telling you, you get such an incredible response because you really are creating a true deep sense of community and it's so intimate. It's freaking amazing. Go check it out at community.com. Hey, do you know what the big secret is this year? And it shouldn't be a secret because this should be your biggest focus. It is building your community. I am always working on building and nurturing my community and everyone is talking about the power of community. Without an online community, you just cannot grow organically or create a real movement, which is what I know that we're all after. And you can build trust or monetize your audience. When you get community right, not only does your audience grow faster, but so do your sales. But where's everybody gonna be managing their communities these days? And a lot of online entrepreneurs and thought leaders are turning to circle.so. Circle is an all-in-one community platform. It lets you host content and create discussions, live streams, group chats, and memberships all under your own brand. And what's so cool about Circle.so is that you don't even need a website or Facebook group. Instead, Circle lets you build your own community site where you can host content and manage your members. You can even create locked and unlocked content spaces, groups, and classes. How freaking cool is that? You can put your content behind a 
paywall too. And you can charge different amounts of money for different spaces on your community site. Circle.so is famously easy to use and it has a free 14 day trial for you. So you can go check it out, see if you like it, see if you love all the options. Just go to circle.so. Go check it out right now, you guys. Imagine being able to manage your community, start group chats and live classes and accept payments all in one place. Kind of mind blowing since this is usually spread all over the place. You have to log into so many different things. If this is the year to capture, organize and monetize your community, head over to circle.so. You can get a free trial and start building your online community right now. Just go to circle.so. You guys, you get the 14 day free trial. So just go and see if it's for you. It's gonna streamline everything and make your life so much easier. It's so freaking cool.